I'm so curious, just in light of the variety of folks who are here, how many of you, like with a show of hands, I'm gonna ask this question, uh, the cold versus the warm. So like how many of you are just loving this cold weather right now? Like you're super into this, yeah? All right, not many. How many like would rather be at a beach right now in the warm, wow, okay. So, so for me and then the, like the, the small group in here, I, I'm like so into this weather because it gives me a chance to use all this outdoor gear that I have and I never get to use it. Like if, if Lynn and I were called by the Lord to be in Alaska, Lynn would have a challenge, but I would get to wear something like this. Look at this picture of this guy. I, I would like, I would love to just have this be part of my thing. But uh, if I wear that here, people are gonna say that's just over the top. So instead I'm stuck with like a trapper hat and uh, you know flannel. So. All right, so most of you are warm weather. Well, then, uh, I'm sorry uh, for, for you. I'm, I'm proud of you for being here. <laughs> I'm getting outside. It's good for us to gather as a church family, as friends, as neighbors, everyone to be here and to remember Jesus and to remember the reason for Christmas. And I want us just to talk through some of this. There's some really amazing stories in Scripture that help to explain why this matters and why all the different elements of Christmas, when we take it back to uh, our Savior, why that's so valuable for us. And so listen to these words out of Matthew 1, and I think you'll see the, how this is fulfilled in light of Christmas Day. So Matthew 1, in two verses, Joseph, so it's Mary and Joseph. Joseph is talking to an angel, and the angel tells him this, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This is one of the most significant pronouncements in Scripture, and it's very relatable, even though it doesn't sound like it. 2,000 years later, it's still relatable in a few different ways that just jump off the page. So one of those is that we know what it's like to be afraid. So, you know, in this case, they're afraid. This young couple's like, what's, what's going on here? We know what it's like to be afraid and then to have God come alongside of us and to reassure us we don't have to be afraid because he is leading us. That is so applicable right now for many of us this Christmas season. Some of you just very unfortunate reports today, yesterday, this last week, the last few months. And so God leads us. We don't have to be afraid. Another thing that stands out, we know what it's like to experience the inexplicable work of the Holy Spirit in our lives if we are followers of Jesus Christ. So not in the same way like Mary and the whole baby thing, but as far as God working in our lives in which we'd say, I was somebody yesterday, but I, he, he is taking me somewhere that I never knew. Like maybe you're looking... In, in the rearview mirror of years of your life and say, I know who I used to be and God has done something in my life that's totally different. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Only he could do because if it was on our own, we would just continue to go down a different path. And so we know what that can be like. And then also just that last statement there, we can understand what it's like to receive the salvation that Jesus offers. So again, if you're a follower of Christ, when I say that, I don't mean the religion of Christianity. There's a lot of religion out there. Like you can wear a cross around your neck. You can go to a church. Um, but like, you know, that doesn't mean you're a follower of Jesus Christ. That just means you do stuff. And so when we look at this statement here, we can understand a little bit more about what it means to receive Jesus Christ. So I'm gonna reread verse 21. It says, she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. So why was Jesus born? At the end of the day, to save people from their sins. Uh, this was this 
the purpose. This was his mission, mission accomplished. He did that. He died on the cross. Acts 4.12 tells us that the Bible, or in, in the Bible, that tells us that salvation is found in no one else but Jesus Christ. So not in all the other things you can do, um, the different li- religious things, even loving people really well. I hope we love people well. I hope we serve people well. I hope we give well and that we're generous people and that we're, we, are, we love people well. But that is not the measure of being at peace with God. That is something only Jesus offers. And that's why he was born. It's a wonderful thing for us. So this whole month as a church family, if you haven't been with us, just a quick recap, we have gone through a series called Advent. Advent means arrival, about the arrival of Jesus Christ. So we've talked through all these different church topics, five main themes, and today's number five. So we have uh, the theme of hope and love, and then it was joy and then peace. And today is usually Christ, I'm gonna tag on that salvation and just this idea of the salvation that Jesus offers, the reason that he came to die and uh, to, uh, to live and then to die on the cross. And so we look at Jesus Christ and we see the cradle, but we also see the cross and we recognize that this is foremost about salvation. And so as I think about this, like think about like the night that Jesus is born, that was such a disastrous evening in so many ways. Here you have Joseph and Mary. They can't find any place. I mean, of all the people, this like pregnant girl is like, can I have a bed, a room, like some privacy? Like, I guess she had privacy um, from people because she was in a stable uh, with animals, but it's like such a chaotic situation. No place to lay your head. I don't know if you've ever been in a spot where you were trying to get a place to stay for a night, but then it didn't work out. Has that happened to anyone? Different, yeah. Happened to Lynn and I a couple years ago. We were in Scotland, which is a crazy story. We weren't even expecting to be there, and we were up there driving around Scotland. Like the, the is it a country? I don't know if it's a country. You know, I don't know the British. Then. Oh, some of you actually know. Yeah, some of you would know. Um, but nonetheless, okay, let's keep going. We're there. Um, we're having fun time on what's called the Isle of Skye and just having a good time. Then we, then we get to our bed and breakfast that night and uh, it's like 11. Well, they closed up and they didn't open for us. So we're like, cool, let's just drive as fast as we can to somewhere that might open up. Um, nothing worked. So we slept in our car and with the, in like in a park, which is like super, um, you know, like my like... Uh, husband, like security mindsets, like kicking in the gear. And we couldn't lock the car because this rental had a really sensitive thing that like any movement, the alarm would go off. And so we just, I slept with the, the doors unlocked and I'm like not sleeping at all. So I only remember that because it was supposed to be this really fun vacation for us. And then in like the next morning, we're at a McDonald's brushing our teeth and stuff. It's like, what? So that was our experience, and she wasn't even pregnant. Like, I can't even imagine Joseph and Mary in this situation. He's like, um, you know, I, we, we had an angel literally confirm to us what's going on, and this is what you're, this is what you're uh, like, did you forget that this was happening right now? And so they have the baby in this stable. It's a fantastic picture of the humility of our Savior. Everyone else would want to be in, like, the best room, the best house, the best, today, the best hospital. This guy in a stable. Well, as we keep working through this story, we can recognize that this was a grand moment. And that's why you have this angelic response to the shepherds. 
if you recall, there's this moment where there's all these shepherds and then an angel appears and then in a moment, a, a multitude appears. But the angel says these two, uh, these two verses to him. Luke 2, verse 10 and 11. The angel says uh, to the shepherds, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that it will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. So mankind, right, humankind, had been waiting for a Savior going all the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden. And this was the moment where the Savior's finally arriving to do and to fulfill the purpose that God had for salvation. So the angels, they know this is coming, so they've been waiting for this moment. It's finally here, they're all excited. And so the advent of Jesus Christ is initiated, and this would have been in God's perfect timing, in his planning. There were no mistakes or, um, or just a coincidental luck or whatever. This story and the timing and how it all played out was according to what God had. What a wonderful thing for us. Now, Jesus' birth, it deserved an angelic announcement, right? Because he wasn't just any other baby. He was God and is God still today. He wasn't just sent on behalf of God, and he wasn't just another baby boy. I know all of you who had like baby boys, you're all like, yeah, my kid's like the, the, the best baby boy to show on Facebook. Well, Jesus, he is truly the one that deserves this angelic announcement. And that's why John 1:14 says this, the word became human. So let's talk about Jesus. The word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So when we sing Christmas songs uh, this, this uh, today, maybe tomorrow, each one of these songs, they remind, like the, the worship songs, not, not something about Rudolph or something, but like each Christmas worship song, it reminds us of Jesus as our Savior and the reason that he was born and the reason that we need him. Remember, Adam and Eve, their sin in the garden, in that moment, mankind became doomed and we needed a rescue. Romans 5.18 says this. This is a fantastic verse, by the way. This is actually a verse that I was named after because my middle name is Christopher. And so it says this. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. I'm going to reread this and then explain it for a moment. It says, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. It's talking about what happened in the garden. And then it says, but Christ's one act of righteousness, which occurred on the cross, it brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. So there was hope in the future seed, you know, Jesus Christ, who would bruise the serpent's head. There was love to be experienced in the future Redeemer. There was joy to be felt in the future Emmanuel. There was hope to be experienced with the future Reconciler. And there was salvation to be given through the future spotless Lamb. So church family and friends and visitors, we celebrate well Christmas time with all sorts of stuff. From I mean, this is fantastic. A wonderful uh, painting. And we got candles and we got, I mean, hot cocoa. Jesus, is, he would drink hot cocoa if he was here right now. You know what I mean? Like, it is good. It is, and we have worship songs and fellowship. And later, so many of us will have gifts and all these different things. They can be so sanctified in the, 
in our motives before the Lord to say, it is good for us to celebrate well and to remember the birth of our Savior. The king has been born, which means salvation has come. The creator has demonstrated his faithfulness in the enemy's stronghold. So at Jesus' birth, it was, this, it was this declaration, it was evidence. God is true to his covenant promises. And therefore, the enemy's strongholds, they will be broken when however it is that, G, that, that the lamb will do his thing. Because I didn't know yet about the cross. Or, but they knew the Messiah had arrived. So redemption was here for them. And that's a wonderful thing to celebrate. Now, there are certainties in life. Ben Franklin said two. I'll add a third. Right. There's death, and then there's taxes. A third, my kids would say that every superhero wins in the end. Every, every movie, right? I'm like, yeah, they do. That's why writing today with Disney is so lame versus like Shakespeare. But that's another, that's another topic. <laughs> the superhero always wins, right? Like, they didn't pay that guy $25 million to be the actor to die, right? So, like, he always wins. All right. But... I would say this in light of this topic. Three certainties in life, right? Death and taxes, sure. But the main one here, you will have a divided response to the person and the work of Jesus Christ. When it comes to Jesus, from his birth to his salvation, you have a group of people who are excited about that, who believe in it, they're worshipful, they're humble, they participate in the kingdom of God. And then you have another group of people. They're the ones who are, I'll call like a spiritual Scrooge. And I don't mean that like as negative as it sounds, but you'd say, Jesus loves you, and the response is, bah humbug, right? There's an arrogance toward a need for peace with God. There's an indifference to the Alpha and the Omega who stepped down to earth. There's a stubbornness, like in our own heart before a holy God, a stubbornness against the joy and the peace found in letting our Heavenly Father adopt us call us into his family, put a heavenly royal ring on our finger and bring us in to the family. And instead of that wonderful gift that's offered, there's a denial of it and an acceptance to choose any of the other paths that might be out there. Despite this gift that's offered and it requires no work but only faith, we will instead choose eternal condemnation. So the, the weight of sin and a, and, a, and a negative consequence can be completely lifted off of our shoulders. And instead, it's like, nah, I won't take that. Whether it's Bible times or it's today, there are people who respond with denial and there's people who will, will respond with belief. I'm a preacher, so I'll ask you, you know, rhetorically, which one are you? One with belief or one with denial? And if you'd say belief, do you live like it? As I wrap up, I'm gonna read a really famous section of the Christmas story in, uh, like the biblical Christmas story, not the one with Ralphie and the gun. But <laughs> Matthew 2, it says that this is a story about the wise men. And I wanna read this because, uh, and I'll, I'll explain in a moment. So we'll read it this way. It says, Matthew 2, 1 through 12. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law, and he asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. 
And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Which I love, by the way. They like they know this is the city that this future king is going to be born in. It wasn't a secret. The guys consulting Herod knew this, right? So it keeps going. Then Herod, he called, uh, he called a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. And he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Yeah, right. Okay. Uh, verse 9. After this interview with uh, the wise men, they went their way. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts. Three gifts, right? You guys know this, kids. Three gifts from the wise men. We got gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I was telling my son how I really wanted to name him Frankincense because then his nickname would be Frank and his last name is Schwank, right? Frank Schwank. And it'd be like so funny. But then people would be like, you know, like middle school, and like, your name's Frankincense? It's like, that's not going to work at all. So <laughs> can't, can't do that to him, right? So uh, that's what they got. Uh, that's what Jesus got. That's what they gave him. And then it says in verse 12, this last verse, when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. You know, so this story, it reminds me of everyone who hears the Christmas story, like the biblical one, today. You have those who are like the Magi, and you have those who are like Herod. Those who are like the Magi, they worship the king. Their, their mindset is, I'll chase after. I don't know where this is going. This star, oh, it's gonna land in this, this town in the middle of nowhere and I'm gonna go worship that king. And then you have others who are like Herod. And yeah, you're not like planning to kill Jesus and you're not just, that's just, you know, not in that way. But you aren't gonna worship him. I believe the Lord wants us to be challenged in this way. Christmas generally despite when there are these um, sorrowful seasons or memories associated with it, and I recognize that. But generally speaking, Christmas is a fun time. It's a time for family. It's a time for good food, presents, and all that. And it's, it's generally enjoyable. But there is no Christmas without Christ. And the greatest gift that you can receive this Christmas is the gift of salvation, if you haven't received that. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he said this, this quote's on the screen, it says, Whoever, or who among us will celebrate Christmas correctly? Whoever finally lays down all power, all honor, all reputation, all vanity, all arrogance, all individualism beside the manger. Whoever remains lowly and lets God alone be high. Whoever looks at the child in the manger and sees the glory of God precisely in his lowliness. Friends, scripture is clear. God demonstrated his love to you and to me by sending his one and only son to die on the cross as payment for our sin. And that payment can be applied to what you could call your heavenly account. And it can be applied if you believe in him with all of your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. Again, not just lip service and not just appearing one way when your heart's actually like another direction but a genuine, true 
belief and trust in who Jesus is. Without the covering of Christ's blood, you let yourself remain. And I say that, I say that intentionally because hearing this from me and anybody else who might actually talk about the gospel, this is, that, that's a moment for you to respond to that information. And so to deny it, you let yourself receive the punishment that will come one day when you stand before the Lord. Because you have an opportunity now to believe or not, right? So you have an opportunity to believe. Humankind was so immersed in our sin, we were, we were so blinded by our sin, we didn't even know we needed a savior and Jesus still was sent to us by the Father to bridge that gap between our heart and his heart. So if the posture of your heart this Christmas is not worship, I wanna urge you to consider the claims of Jesus Christ. The little kid born in the manger, it's a cute story, it makes for weird mantle pieces, but it's an amazing depth and truth that's life-changing when you discover that that baby grew up to be Jesus Christ. And, and he lived perfectly, he loved better than any of us combined. He loved those who felt super rejected. He totally uh, confronted those who were religiously like looking good, but inside they were rotten. And he had no shame to do so. And then they all killed him on the cross, even though he was great. But that wasn't an accident on why he died on the cross. He died there on, for a reason. It was part of the plan to be our atonement. I'll conclude here with Revelation 5.12. I don't have this on the screen. I, I forgot to add it. <laughs> it says, he is the only one who's worthy to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. That is our Savior. That's why throughout the Advent series, we could say our hope lies in him. Our love is anchored in him. Peace is only in him, because goodness, you definitely can't find peace in anything else. Everything else is fleeting. Joy, it's gotta be in him. Our circumstances are so, are so uh, unreliable. Joy can only be found in him. And then lastly, salvation. In Jesus alone, you find salvation in something else, it's not true salvation, and it's only gonna fall flat. All right, with that said, Maddie, how about we conclude with Silent Night? That sound good?